The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba. This is episode 23. And tonight I am joined by a special guest, Nathan Dawkin from uh, The Nasty Cast. You can catch him weekly on The Nasty Cast, also his writing on Fantistics. Um, Nathan, how are we doing tonight? I am doing wonderful, man. It's, uh, I tell you what, we got a taste of spring here in brisk Bismarck, North Dakota last week. It was in the upper 40s and 50s for many days in a row and now it's back in like the 20s today it was just cloudy and windy and just sucked but uh, I am glad to be here with you today to warm my soul by talking about some baseball if, uh, if you guys have not listened to uh, Nate's podcast I recommend it it is full of great advice and also great humor it's not one of the uh, hardcore just give you stats and everything you get tons of laughs it's a good time one of the better ones to listen to so check it out and um, I retweeted his article last week, tons of good info. And what I liked about it a lot is um, stuff I like to talk about on the pods is when we talk about third base later, we talk about some names that not everybody likes to talk about because in his write-up, he mentioned like guys like Cotton for the A's and other guys that are deeper down that you don't just, you know, get off the top 10 lists and stuff. So check out his writing, really good stuff uh, coming out of Fantastics. But um, first off, we're going to get some fantasy preferences uh, every guest I've been having on, we go through some things just to get an idea for uh, some new listeners that are new to fantasy, uh, to get some that are in the industry to see what their preferences are. Um, one that I like to ask everybody is, do you prefer rotisserie or head-to-head? Because the reason I ask this, and I I know where a lot of people go, but for the newbies, a lot like head-to-head because it's most familiar to fantasy football. So... What is your preference? Yeah, it is like uh, the head-to-head format is sort of like the marijuana of fantasy baseball, right? It's the gateway drug, switch, switch you over from football to get into baseball. But really for me, uh, I'm roto all the way. I actually have developed a healthy hatred for the head-to-head format over the years, uh, which you wouldn't be able to tell if you just looked at my leagues all stacked up on top of each other because every year I'm in three to four different head-to-head formats. And I just, maybe it's because I'm a sadomasochist or something like that. I just, I just don't know. But uh, <laughs> uh, I definitely enjoy roto. There's just so, so much freaking luck. I hate. I, I like to take as much luck out of it as I can. And head to head, I mean, 
you can you can go like twenty three and zero in the regular season, and then just lose the first week of the playoffs, and you're toast. And you could have the best team in history, and that just drives me freaking nuts. And uh, so that's why I like the slow grind of roto. Um, you know, it's 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 less heartbreaking. Obviously, you know, people who are coming over from football, and you know, they know that you can. It is really fun to sit there every Sunday night and, you know, sweat it out if you're behind by five points. And, oh, is Nelson Cruz going to take a walk here and win me the week? But um, I, I still prefer Roto, maybe because it's partially less heartbreaking as well. Um, but there's plenty of strategy in that as well. And uh, I, I feel like it better rewards the actual good teams when you're consistent you know, all season long. It just sucks so bad to get to the playoffs and lose the first week. And that always seems to happen to me. It drives me nuts. Oh, yeah. No, I'm right there with you. It's so devastating and just pisses you off to no end when you are that number one or two team and you've dominated all year long and then your team just shits the bed, just yeah. doesn't show up. And it's the one outing where Kershaw, you know, gives up six runs in the first inning or um, say the old days you had Barry Bonds and he does nothing for a week and or just whatever. Everything that could go wrong goes wrong. Yeah. And I get it too, because that's, you know, that's how it is in real life. Right. So it, it makes sense. I get it, but I hate it. And you know, this, this isn't real life. It's fantasy. So we can do it however we want to. And that's how I want it. Yes, it is fantasy. And that's why, and that's why I like Roto because it gives you the full and full encompassed or whatever you want to say the right word. I, I'm not a vocabulary person. <laughs> um, it gives you what you need for the full grasp of what your team really is for a full season. And that's why I like Roto. Um, yeah. Snake versus auction, because auction can be very, very intimidating, as I've said many times now. But I did my first one last year, dipped my toe in the water, and now I like to skinny dip. It was amazing. I <laughs> yep. it. Um, what do you prefer? Uh, my preference is, is definitely auction. Uh, like you said, I mean, once you do it, once you, you got the bug. And uh, it's it's not like you can't go back, but it's just so much more fun. Um, and the first, the first auction I ever did was actually a football league many years ago now. And, uh, you know, the whole league, we were skeptical. We've always just done snake drafts before and we switched to auction. Everybody's like, Oh, you know, kind of grumbling, like what the hell is going on here. And then we were about 10 minutes into it and everybody was like screaming at each other because they're outbidding, you know, outbidding each other. And it was just the best time ever. And this, this was live in person too, which is something that I'm trying to, you know, bring back. Of course, there's not a whole plethora, unfortunately, of fantasy baseball friends uh, here in Bismarck to to try and get a hold of and get together. But I'm doing it anyway. Damn it! But uh, yeah, the auction is definitely better. It's uh, there's there's more strategery involved, if you will. Um, you know, it's uh, and and you can build your team so much better than just a, just a standard snake draft. You know, if you want to get Mike Trout and Mookie Betts, then you'll get Mike Trout and Mookie Betts, and then you have a whole team of $1 players besides that. But you'll be happy because you got the guys that you wanted. And uh, it's it, it's just a lot more fun, especially in person. Yeah, because you could look the guy in the eye as you're trying to outbid him and basically say, do you want to go? Like, do you want to dance? We're going right now. Mono yeah, and mono. <laughs> In our football league too, we if we occasionally get into slap fights uh, because of such, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is always a good time. And uh, last year, the one guy was pissed off at me because I kept bidding him up on, uh, oh god, uh, who was it, Lashawn McCoy, and so he went over and shoved as many cheesy poofs in my mouth as he could to get me to stop bidding on him. So I oh, mean, it's man. just. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's so much fun. Yeah, so yeah, if 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 anybody's listening out there and you haven't experimented with auction, obviously live in person is the epitome. But uh, 
you know, even even online, it's it's a blast. It can be. It, it is a lot more of a uh, involved experience. So even online, I will say that takes a lot longer than a snake draft. Yeah. So if you're in a deep league, especially, set aside an, an evening because it's going to take a while. Oh yeah, my first one last year, my wife wanted to kill me because she's used to when I say, "Okay, honey, I have a draft tonight," and she expects, "Okay, it's a time limit." Okay, I'll be back in you know two hours, maybe two and a half at the most. No big deal. <laughs> this, this was like five and a half, six hours later. Yep. I come to bed. She's been asleep for two hours. She's like, "What the <laughs> hell just happened?" <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't cheating on you. Well, I was with my fantasy team. But that's a whole other story. Um, yeah. <laughs> Don't use the words cheat and fantasy when you're talking with your wife. That's a quick tip out there for the new. <laughs> not a good road to go down no not good at all but but see this is why i like asking all these all you uh, all my guests that come on is uh about their preferences because i'm trying to explain to them because a lot of people are scared of the auction format because it's very intimidating about not knowing you know how to bid how to price enforce because if you go into it with someone that knows what they're doing they can scare the shit out of you they can intimidate you they can really just push you out of a you know scare you out of the Mike Trouts that you want or whatever. But the fact that you, you're just, you, you just said what I've been trying to tell people of how fun it is and you can get the players you want. You can get the team you want. We're in a snake draft. You have no control over that. If guys three picks in front of you, take them. You never had a chance at that guy. You never had the chance. Yeah, exactly. You draw the, you draw the 12 seed in a 15 team league and you're not going to get Mike Trout. You know, there's no way. Um, so, so that is definitely a downside. Um, you know, and as far as getting intimidated by people, all you really have to do, um, there's X number of websites out there nowadays. You can just get a cheat sheet with some auction values on there. And granted, it might not be perfect due to auction inflation and, you know, so on and so forth, but that'll give you a general guideline, you know, if, especially if it's just a standard five by five and a lot of websites, you know, you can, uh, you can customize stuff. Hey, if you go to fantastics.com, I happen to write there, we have this great draft software, free plug, plug, plug. Uh, <laughs> so you can customize that however you want. Oh man, I should get a raise for that. There you go. Fantastics.com, everybody. Check it out. Um, uh, but yeah, and, and the bright side is, you know, Nate, Nate gets the luxury of being in the Minnesota area. So there's not a whole lot of price enforcing of, you know, regional bias on, you know, the big star players. So he's got it made there. Um, no, I have an anti twins bias, if anything. Speaking of twins, let's get into some twins talk and we're going to, um, highlight some players to look forward to because contrary to belief, you know, the twins, let's first talk about this two years ago, right on the cusp of a potential playoff berth looked like they're, you know, they were rebuilding. The youth was starting to show up. They looked like they're about to do it. Paul Mahler was the answer at the managerial position. Then last year they lost 103 games. Um, what are we looking at this year? Cause that pitching staff is atrocious. Yeah. It's uh, that, that's not looking up anytime soon. And sadly they do not have a whole lot coming um, through the pipeline either. They've got like Steven Gonsalves, who's more of a back end guy. He's pretty much the only guy of note that's going to be seeing any time at the major league level this year, if at all. Um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be all about the hitting. I don't even want to talk about the pitching. It's so ugly, but uh, you know, it's funny. Like uh Pakoda projected them to go 80 and 82, this year after losing 103 games last year. I don't know where that came from, but um, from what I understand, a lot of it is supposedly a much better defense. They were historically bad as far as runs allowed last year. 
um, you know, between the crappy pitching and just awful defense. But um, I, I guess the one of the main points is Jason Castro signing there. Obviously not fantasy relevant uh, unless you're in a deep, you know, two-catcher league or an AL-only league. But um, defensively, he's supposed to be light years ahead of where Kurt Suzuki was at um, as far as, like, defensive runs allowed or, you know, whatever freaking metrics they use for defensive catching. <laughs> he was he was as good positively as Suzuki was negatively. Um, so hopefully that'll be a lot better. And I'm really interested to actually see, uh, like, the cumulative effect of his uh, pitch framing and defense, um, you know, how how different it is with guys, especially young guys like Jose Barrios, um, you know, even Kyle Gibson, who's a little bit older, but just to see if, uh, you know, if, if the, you actually see some progression in those guys, uh, as opposed to recent years. when, like you said, we had this whole influx of young talent last year. All the rookies came up last year. We don't have anything left. And, um, you know, they all sort of disappointed some. Yeah. Well, let's talk, uh, let's start out with, uh, your big bopper who came out of, I wouldn't say nowhere because we knew who he was. He showed some some decent power for the second base position. But then last year, if we didn't think the steroids were gone in baseball, we'd think he was on steroids. But we're not going to speculate here. Um, but they couldn't trade him somehow. I would love to know. First off, let's go to this. We're talking Brian Dozier, obviously. Segway. Um you might know in the Minnesota area, there was a rumor for the, the Dodgers deal. There was three players. It was De Leon and two other players. What were the two other players? Do you know? It was speculated that one of the other players was Cody Bellinger, and that was just too much. Um, and I don't know. The other one was probably just a scrub uh, throw in, I would imagine, if, especially if they're asking for Bellinger. Um, and we've seen him already in spring training just crush a baseball already. Man, what a swing. So, uh, so you can kind of see why the the Dodgers did not want to give him up. And to be perfectly honest, if I was the Twins, I mean, granted that he's a he's an elite prospect and everything, but I'd be trying to juice um, Dozier for all he's worth at this point. If you could have got Jose De Leon and two other pitching prospects like uh, uh, Walker Bueller, a guy who was drafted last year, you know, Tommy John surgery, but still, you need all the pitching prospects that you can get. You know, just get a guy like that, get a, a high upside arm like Yadier Alvarez. Um, you know, I would have liked to see him packaged in there as well. Got to try and build up that pitching a little bit in the minor leagues, but alas, it did not come to pass. Um, you know, so I, I don't necessarily blame the Dodgers for holding out, but I don't blame the twins either for just sort of taking what was offered to them. I think perhaps it's part of the new regime, just trying to put their foot in the ground and saying that we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to be taken in the trade market, uh, try not to set a bad precedent and and maybe they didn't uh, maybe they weren't necessarily in love with Jose De Leon either I personally think he's more of like a number three guy than an ace like some people have valued him in the past um you know so it, it's a bummer and I'm I'm afraid that Dozier he's prone to start slow so I'm really afraid that he's going to hit 220 in like the first half of the season with you know eight home runs or whatever and uh and the twins will never you know recoup that kind of value even though Jose De Leon type, but, um, you know, I, I still hold out hope that they will get something done in June or July and they'll get something back anyway. Yeah. And, uh, part of that, obviously the slow start has to do with the weather in Minnesota, which doesn't help because I still, for the, 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 the I'm lost how they built an outdoor stadium in Minnesota, <laughs> but, um, it's a beautiful stadium from the looks of it. You've obviously been there, but, yep. um, it looks amazing, but I just I can't fathom the thought process there. 
Um, let's let's look now. He had, so he had the big year. What are you expecting this year? I find it very, very hard to believe we're duplicating those power numbers, but I've heard some say it's possible. What are you looking at from Dozier this year? Yeah, um, I've I've yet to really talk to anybody who thinks that he'll do 42 again. So there's, there's some healthy regression that should happen. I, I still think that he'll push 30. You know, he's, he's trended up each of the last three years, and I, I think 28 to 30, 32, somewhere there is, is in play because that's all he does is just – yank fly balls you know pull like if you look at his spray charts over the last couple of years it's just a joke um obviously just just pull power um so i i think the power will come back um but i do think that the steals will still be there as well um if you look at the last three years with uh with dozier 14 steals 21 steals 12 steals 18 steals he's gonna steal you i'd say 15 to 20 bases you know pretty pretty easily so uh, as far as the projection goes you know 30 15 that's pretty sweet. So that's putting him in the upper rounds. But uh, the problem, the problem is, uh, well, it's twofold, really the batting average. Number one is 268 last year. Uh, he's a career 246 batter. So I would expect to see somewhere down in the two forties. Again, there's just no real reason why he's close to 270 last year. Um, and secondarily, I think that uh, they're, they're looking at hitting him lead off, which I think is pretty stupid myself, but uh, we'll see if they push him down the lineup but right now. I think they're going to lead him off and that's going to cap your RBI opportunities. Cause it's a decent lineup there, but it's not great. It's not like you're the Red Sox and you're turning that lineup over so many times a game. Um, so you, I mean, that's going to give you plenty of runs scored. I wouldn't be surprised if he scored hundred runs for the fourth year in a row. Uh, but you know, with the batting average in the RBI where he's going right now, I just don't like it in drafts. I've seen him go late second round, uh, early third a lot. And that's just too high for me. I've actually got him eighth in my second base rankings, which is it's that's more uh, sort of a testament to other guys that I like as opposed to my dislike for him. You know, like uh, I really, really like Matt Carpenter this year. I think he's going to give the same amount of power numbers, less steals, but a lot better, a lot better batting average and, and RBI in St. Louis, too. So. You know, I, I think that I'm probably going to be avoiding Dozier for the most part this year at his current stock. Okay. Yeah, because uh, on Fantasy Pros right now, he's the fifth second baseman, 37th overall. So you're definitely um, passing on him as your eighth overall. Uh, you can get Carp later for sure. And Carp, um, he's got flexibility all over the infield, which makes his value skyrocket. And the average, like you said, if, if Dozier's hitting 240, Carpenter – He's going to be hitting, I'd say, what, 280-plus, most likely closer to 300 if he's healthy. One with yeah. that? Yeah, anywhere in there. He he's just uh, makes a ton of hard contact, too. So um, an elevated BABIP is not something that's you know out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I think he had the third-highest hard contact in all of baseball last year. So yeah. I, I really like him. Yeah, and like you said, with the position flexibility, man, you can just uh, – that's especially nice when you're drafting, too – whether it's a snake or an auction, I mean, it gives you so much more flexibility in the draft. Yeah, big time, big time. All right, we'll move on to a, a guy I'm really high on. I know you've talked about him a little bit in some of your podcasts. Uh, Miguel Sano, it'll be his second full season in the bigs. Um, he'll be back to third base. Trevor Plouffe is gone. This will be his regular position. He was playing some outfield in DH last year. Uh, currently the 15th third baseman off the board, 130th overall on Fantasy Pros. Um, tons of power potential. He uh, last year, I got him right, hit 236, uh, down from 269 the year before. 
but he did it 25 homers. Um, I could see some big things from him. What is your outlook on Miguel Sano this year? I, I like him, um, but I'm not willing to draft him in a deeper league as my starting third baseman. I want him as more of a corner infield guy uh, because that batting average can just really tank you uh, depending on where it goes. He's, you know, I mentioned before on my podcast too, that, uh, you know, his, his range of potential outcomes this year are just enormous. Like he could end up, uh, he could end up at triple a, or he could end up leading the majors in home runs. And, uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of room in the middle there. Uh, so it, it's really hard to peg exactly what he's going to do. Hopefully, you know, he makes a little bit more contact. He's always going to be a guy who strikes out a lot. Uh, but in an OBP league, I guess I should say a, ca- uh, a caveat there. In an OBP league, I definitely would be comfortable uh, with him if I'm just really waiting on third base. And he's my starter. That's fine just because he draws a ton of walks. He's always drawn double-digit walks, um, even though he did regress a little bit last year. But that power is just huge. Uh, if he plays all year, I think even if it comes with a 240 batting average, you're going to get 30, 35 home runs just because that's how much power he has. And that's going to that's gonna be a lot of runs in RBI right there. So I do like him this year, but he's he's risky. I'd rather have, you know, ideally I'd rather uh, hit one of the elite third basemen or even there's a big chunky tier where the guys are all kind of the same. They're all pretty solid. And so I'd like to rattle off one of those guys. And then uh, as a corner infielder or utility, then you can uh, have to know where he's not in a spot to be a detriment to your team. You're not really leaning on him too much. It's more like uh, it's more like gravy on the uh, mashed potatoes mountain that is third base. Yeah, and that's very well put because we will get to third base. And I'm I, the reason why I want to talk to you about third base is it is absolutely loaded. There's the, the the top four we'll talk about, and then there's kind of tiers if you want to use fantasy lingo, which I'm not a huge fan of at times. But there's Good chunks of, like you said, there's the mashed potatoes. If we want to get Thanksgiving stuff, then there's the beet green beans, and then there's, you know, you know <laughs> like a mac and cheese. There's a lot of good things to like on this plate of um, third baseman, and it gets deep, real deep of different things to fill your roster up. But um, with Sano, you mentioned the uh, corner infield utility. He's also likely to be outfield eligible. Would you be willing if, say, a four to five outfield league to use one of your roster spots there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm not sure at his current ADP where that would situate you as far as if it's like a third outfielder, fourth outfielder, I'm guessing somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, something in third probably at 130. He's 37th outfielder right now is what it looks like. Okay. Yeah. So you'd probably probably be an outfielder three for you then. Yeah. I would do Like I said, especially in OBP league. Um, but even, yeah, you know, there, there's worse ways to go. If you're, if you're the type who's inclined to draft uh, Chris with a K Davis out in Oakland, you know, it, you're looking at sort of uh, the same profile with Miguel Sano. Yeah. Right now on fantasy pros, they have him going right, right before Adam Duvall. So there you go. Oh God. Yeah, give me Miguel Sano all day over Adam Duvall. There you go. Adam Duvall, That's what I was talking about. Yeah, as soon as pitchers started realizing that he'll hit a home run if you actually give him something in the strike zone and he reaches at everything outside of the strike zone, they finally figured out in the second half, don't throw him strikes. And you saw him, you know, really fall off. They didn't they didn't realize Adam Duvall is just Pedro Serrano with the mask. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. He forgot, he, forgot, he forgot Joe Boo. Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know why it took pitchers so There's, long to adjust to him. But but they finally did and uh Thankfully, I didn't. Uh, I didn't own him, Duvall, anywhere at that point. 
ride the hot wave and get rid of get rid of him. But um, speaking of a guy that finished the second half very hot, in my opinion, well, not very hot. He was at least lukewarm to hot towards the end. And I think he might finally hit that prospect status that everyone talked about a few years ago. At least I'm hoping so. Uh, the numbers overall didn't look great, but second half pretty strong, especially power-wise. Uh, I'm talking Byron Buxton. Um, he looks like he's finally going to get the full range um, starting time in the outfield, hopefully center field. He's the guy that should be leading off, so Dozier can actually drive and runs later, in my opinion. He's got the wheels for days. The guy is like the flash out there. Um, I think if they give him a shot, sky's the limit with this kid. Plate discipline might be an issue, but what is the outlook on Byron Buxton this year? Yeah, that plate discipline is the issue for sure. And uh, I think that's probably why he'll start the season at the bottom of the lineup, uh, just to sort of protect him in that manner, because he does have a long way to go. Um, a lot of people have been pretty rough on him, but, you know, you, you got to – you got to give him a little bit of leeway. A kid just turned 23 years old and he missed a lot of development time in the minor leagues too, due to injury. So he's, he's a really young 23. So he's, he's still got a long ways to go. I, you know, it was, it was pretty much just a huge September that he had last year. Uh, what did he have? A thousand, thousand eleven OPS last September. Ridiculous. Um, but he's still, even in that month had a 33% strikeout rate uh, and a below average hard contact rate. So, the you know the things that you know that you're going to get is really good defense, which obviously doesn't help us out in fantasy, but that should at least be good enough to keep him in the lineup for most of the year. Um, and you're going to get some steals. And I'm surprised that we haven't seen more steals from him so far. I wonder if he's just sort of trying to focus on the other aspects of his game, maybe getting on base before stealing base. But he is super, super fast. So once he figures out how to you know make better contact, not whiff all the damn time, uh, as soon as he gets on base, he's he's going to be just stealing he's like a gazelle in the outfield um i believe Statcast recorded his first to third time as the fastest in the major leagues last year and that's even over billy hamilton so he's got crazy crazy wheels but i mean 35 percent strikeout rate last year 15 percent swing strike rate uh didn't even make 70 percent contact so that's that's a lot of red flags and that's why he's going deeper in drafts i i personally I, i'm not quite ready to call it a breakout yet i think it's going to be a little bit more gradual than that I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see uh, a little bit of a better year this year, but uh, I'm really starting to wonder if he's, uh, you know, a guy who's going to be more power than we thought and perhaps less batting average. So it'll be interesting to see. He might never actually be that really lead offy type, uh, despite the big speed. He might be more of a run producer. And see, that's what I was wondering is you're way more um, than I am. Um, and I uh, forgive me for another major league reference. It's just, such a great movie, but I'm wondering if I'm wondering if he's like a Willie Mays Hayes type because I'm looking at his stats last year, and he's got a 4.30 slugging, and I'm wondering if they need to teach this guy put the ball on the ground, use your speed, get on base, steal bases. Um, he had 19 doubles and six triples. These are all fine and dandy, but at the same time, if he's trying to you know hit gaps and stuff, he's also flying out a lot, leading to like lower averages. I, I haven't looked at those stats, fly ball rates, and all that stuff. Um, but is there something to this or is, am I just looking at too much here? No. Yeah. I, uh, I did pull it up. He's 30, only 35% ground balls last year, 43% fly balls. So yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of easy outs right there. A lot of cans of corn, uh, especially given the, the weak contact that he put out there. 
um, you know, well, medium hit target, you know, it's just a lot of lazy fly balls. So I, I agree as far as just, just beating in the ground, you know, we saw what, uh, what D Gordon was able to do. And he had a, he, he kept popping the ball up and he figured out how to stop that. And I mean, granted, he's got absolutely no power. Whereas Byron Buxton, I think does have, um, you know, at least average power, if not better down the road. So I suppose that's why he's still putting fly balls, uh, putting fly balls out there. But I think I would rather see him just beat the ball on the ground, like you said, and, and get on base and use the wheels. And I think that's what the twins need more than anything too, is, uh, really that table setter, but, uh, that they don't have so far, but, uh, yeah, uh, that would be a nice, a nice progression. And then maybe see the fly balls sort of worked in later in his career, but, you know, we don't live in a perfect world, and the Twins lost 103 games last year. <laughs> yeah, touche, touche. Uh, moving on. Well, one last question then. Um, going 44th outfielder, 172 overall. Is he worth a late round pick on your squad? Uh, in the mock drafts that I've done so far, I've been sort of eyeballing him where he's going. So I don't necessarily hate it, but I've at that point I've found other guys that I like. I, I think at that point in the draft. I've I've more or less got my big guys locked up on offense, and I'm sort of uh, taking my pitching flyers. Okay, good enough because I like him a lot, but I want the inside track from Mr. Twins here, so I wanted to know. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, least- there's a lot of upside, so if if you can factor it in again, like with with Miguel Sano, if, like if you're getting him, uh, especially as a bench guy in a shallower league. He's a guy who could, you know, he really could explode this year, and then he could be a huge boon for you. But um, you know, the downside is another two thirty batting average. Yes, definitely. Um, leading to another youngster, like we said, a lot of young guys came up last year. We talked Sano, we talked Buxton. Another one, um, Jose Barrios. This kid has amazing stuff. Um, he got his first taste of the bigs last year, and the bigs fought back. Um, the command, that the filthiness we saw in the minors, it was not there in the bigs. He was all over the place, 11.4 hits per nine, uh, he, 5.4 walks per nine, all over the place. Uh, you look at his minors numbers, he was filthy, lights out. Went back to the minors, he was filthy again. I'm assuming he's going to get another shot with the big club this year because really what do they have to lose, to tell you the truth? Um, I'm hoping he can find it. Usually these kids through time obviously find it. They ha- He has the talent. Um, is Barrios ready to take that next step? Is that, is that the rumors they have? I know they're going to be optimistic because everyone shows up to camp in the best shape of their life. But um, – what are you seeing from Barrios? Yeah, I'm definitely not out on him um, for the long term. Uh, this year, it'll be interesting to see what kind of step forward he makes. He really has to refine his fastball command uh, more than anything. It's, it's so crazy, like you said, looking at his splits between the minor leagues where he was pitched like a Cy Young guy, and then he comes up in the majors and throws 50 innings and has a 9 ERA or whatever he did. You know, just uh, like borderline historically bad debut. So obviously, obviously, in 103 last season, it's sort of like rubbing salt in the wound. Here's your best prospect, and uh, he sucks now. So that so that was unfortunate, but um, that's a, a main area, and I touched on it earlier, uh, where I'm really interested to see how Jason Castro can perhaps help him out there as far as pitch sequencing and maybe stealing some strikes with his framing um, in the minor leagues. You know, I talked about how bad uh, um, poor Kurt Suzuki was. I'm really ragging on him. I actually like Kurt Suzuki a lot. But uh, in the minor leagues, when Varios was um, when he was down there, they have uh, some really good defensive catchers down there. J.R. Murphy, who they acquired from the Yankees, uh, really, really good uh, defensive catcher and pitch framer. And Mitch Garver as well, who 
is pretty much going to be the competition for J.R. Murphy for that backup catcher spot. Um, all really good defensive uh, catchers and pitch framers. So I wonder if that's going to make a little bit of difference for him. Uh, he, like I said, he needs to work on his uh, sequencing, his command. And I, th- I think that, uh, you know, a big difference too going from the minors to the majors is major leaguers, they're going to spit, uh, you know, a lot better play discipline. They're going to spit on a lot of that breaking stuff, uh, especially if they know that you can't command your fastball. And he has a lot of movement on his pitches and a lot of potential, and that's what everybody's been dreaming on. Uh, but it's, it really worked against him last year at the major league level. So um, I, I'm probably not necessarily going to buy on him this year just because there's a lot of risk there and um, there's there's a lot of other guys that uh, that just a lot of guys that I'm more interested in um, as far as pitching, you know, there's so many different pitchers and uh, I got a lot of different sleepers that I like, so I don't necessarily know that I'm going to own him, but I do expect him to be better. And uh, especially long-term still got to hold out hope that he's going to be a number two. I'm afraid that he's going to be more like a number three and the twins are going to be in trouble because they don't have a number one or two. Uh, so selfishly I'm, I'm hoping for him, but uh, realistically I am, I am optimistic long-term. Yeah, no, that's scary because uh, that's the one thing I told everybody the Twins' problem is is their rotation is full of three, fours, and fives. But um, I like Berrios. I was all over him last year. I drafted him way too many leagues and obviously was burned on those picks. But um, I'm hoping for the best. I probably won't be drafting him anywhere. I have to wait and see. Um, it's that whole thing. You've been through it probably many times where you, you took the gamble the following year you're not willing to, uh, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze the first time. Um, yeah, it's tough to go back hope, when you've been snake bitten on a guy like that. Yeah. I'm hoping he figures it out. I really am. But, um, I wanted to see what they're saying in Minnesota because this stuff is so filthy and it's so crazy to see the, the differences. Cause yes, AAA and the pros are different. They're different levels, but the, the vast difference in his numbers were just insane. Um, it was crazy. Um, moving to the bullpen, you had one of the best closers in all of baseball. Glenn Perkins goes down with his injury. Uh, Brandon Kinsler steps in, does phenomenal. Um, first off, I've been looking around. I can't get a, a straight answer anywhere. What is the ETA for Perkins' return to the rotation or to the bullpen? I don't think even the Twins know, so that's that's probably why you haven't been able to get an answer. Okay, um, that makes sense then. I saw he was going to be scheduled to like throw off a mound this week, maybe for the first time or something. Yeah, and that's it. That's awesome. Yeah, they're they're working him in um, behind everybody else, and uh, obviously very slowly. So uh, even if I wouldn't really expect him at the start of the season, even if they do uh, plug him in there at the start of the year, I can't bring it to I can't I can't bring myself to roster him I don't even know if they're going to throw him in a closer role I'm guessing they're probably going to want to work him in a little bit um so I'm guessing that Kinsler uh, as far as if you're chasing saves I think Kinsler will be the guy to own uh I mean he's just been so injury prone that I just can't trust him for anything I feel like even if he does go you know 10 20 30 innings he's going to get hurt again um and it's been so long really since we've seen him I'm not even so sure how effective he's going to be yeah, I, I won't touch him, but uh, on to the Kinsler side, right now he's going 37th reliever overall and 259th overall on Fantasy Pros, which is insane if you look at some of the relievers going in front of him, considering he actually has a legit closer's role at the moment. Um, I think that's just bananas. 
if you want to go full, you know, Fergalicious on his place. But um, <laughs> it's crazy. 315 ERA, 17 saves in his role once he stepped in, 35 Ks. You know, he's not lighting the world on fire, but saves are saves. Um, yeah. I think he's worth the gamble. Twins don't win a lot, so maybe that's what people are scared of. Yeah, but, that's part of it. Um, you know, not a lot of strikeouts either. So, that you know, that, that's going to push his value down a little bit. And it's it's not the type of closer profile that you really like, right? You want the flamethrower in there, really slamming the door, and the flashy guy and all that. And Kinsler is not that. He's a ground ball pitcher. So it's it's definitely not a sexy pick. But like you said, um, you know, if, if you're throwing darts at the end, why not take the guy who's got the actual job? And it's not like he was terrible as a closer last year. He just doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. That's what I'm saying. I'm looking at this list of, of the fancy pros ADP list right now. And there's at least probably 10 guys that don't even have a closer's job in front of them. And most aren't even lights out, you know, strikeout guys. Some are, but they're not like lights out, lights out. I'm sitting there on whatever. Okay. But just, yeah. that's, that's interesting. Very interesting. But yeah, um, I, so if, you're thinking, Ken, you're thinking Kinsler probably for at least half the season, if not the whole season. Yeah, it's really a situation that I'm I'm avoiding um, for the most part, except for, like you said, Kinsler. If he's that late, uh, why would you not take him? I don't think he's going to necessarily blow it in the first month of the season. Uh, like I said, it's a little bit of a riskier profile with the ground ball rate, but um, you know, still a guy with the job. And then second, I would have I would have Perkins uh, if you know we'll see closer to draft season how he's trending if it looks like he's going to pitch or not. But another guy to uh, take a look at in that bullpen is JT Chargeois, who's more of that closerish type uh, guy that, you know, that I mentioned earlier, he's got a upper nineties fastball and uh, a nice slider. So more of an interesting guy who just, uh, he just came up a little bit last year and I do not believe he was very good, Uh, but uh, he's been very good in the minors, a lot of strikeouts there. So uh, he's a guy, especially if you're in a really deep league, maybe you can uh, check him out at some point in the season. So maybe like in a saves hold league, that would be a good one to hold on to. Yeah, yeah, especially um, you know, especially if uh, if Perkins isn't healthy to start the season, you'd see a lot Perfect. more charge. Perfect. Okay, uh, we'll do a little rapid fire with a couple other names on the the Twins roster, um, so we don't have to go too deep onto it. But uh, some guys that had decent years last year, you can look at them late in the draft. Are they worth owning? Are they not? Max Kepler, outfield, had a pretty decent year. It was hot for part of the year, kind of cooled down. Is he worth a late flyer in the outfield? Yeah, absolutely. I like him. Um, yeah, he def- definitely cooled off. He was horrible for uh, for a good extended stretch there. And that's uh, got people, you know, looking the other way on him for the most part. I think he's going pretty late in drafts right now. Um, but he is – Kepler is a guy that I, I like quite a bit. He, he's got some power. He's got a little bit of wheels. So uh, he could go probably 2010, and I wouldn't be surprised. To see, you know, he's got really good plate discipline for a young guy. Um, only, I think, like a 20% strikeout rate last year. Almost walked uh, double digits. I mean, it was about 10%. Um, you know, and he – he could. Uh, he made some pretty good contact too, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see two seventy, two eighty average from him, which is uh, uh, a mite better than what he posted last year. I think he was in about the two thirties by the time the season ended, mercifully. Um, but yeah, I, I see him uh, making a pretty nice uh, progression, and I, th- I think that he'll have pretty good value, and he should be at a spot in the lineup too, where he should get uh, ample runs and RBIs. He's not going to be at the bottom of the order or anything, so I, I think he's a pretty good value where he's going. 
Yeah, no, that, those are some really solid numbers to get at the 68th outfielder, 248 overall. Really solid numbers. That's your fourth outfielder. So really, really good numbers to get uh, for a, a fourth outfielder. Um, another name came up later in the year, going to be your starting shortstop, going super late if picked at all, uh, Jorge Polanco. Yes, this is uh, this is one of my really deep sleepers that I liked, and uh, my co-host Joe liked him as well. Um, he's a Twins fan as well, so it's uh, <laughs> you know it's sort of like grasping at straws to find guys that you like on the Twins at this point. But uh, yeah, no, he's despite not playing a lick of shortstop uh, in the minor leagues last year, uh, he's going to be their everyday shortstop this year. So we'll see how that looks like defensively, but we don't care about that. Uh, we just want the production. And I think he's going to be hitting towards the top of that lineup. And uh, he's, you know, he's a guy who uh, he's going to hit for a, a pretty good average and that alone should get him uh, a fair bit of runs in RBIs. And uh, he's, hopefully going to be a little bit of a compiler. He doesn't have really standout speed or power, but I think he's a guy who can uh, be, you know, 12, 12 at the end of the year, like a, like a Matt Duffy did the other year uh, with San Francisco. Uh, so 12, 12, maybe 15, 15, you know, which uh, it, he's just an absolute afterthought. You don't have to pay anything for him. So you're looking at a deep league guy here. And uh, when you're down in the dregs like that, uh, he's a guy who could get uh, pretty, you know, solid playing time. And I think uh, turn you a profit. Yeah, he's a steal. If, if those numbers pan out, like you're saying, 39th shortstop overall, 422nd pick overall. So like we're saying, might not even be drafted in most of your leagues. Um, check your formats. Fantasy Pros has him second base, third base, and shortstop eligible, which makes him even more valuable to you. Um, yep. He could he could play all over the place, which is, like we've already mentioned, very, very nice. So that's sneaky good. Yeah, so maybe if you're uh, if you liked what Jose Ramirez gave you last year, maybe that's uh, sort of the type of production mm-hmm. that you could get. Now it's not going to be as good a lineup, I don't think, as the Indians. So that's sort of a pie in the sky estimate, but definitely um, another bat that showed tons of pop at times in the minor, especially he was up and down, up and down, up and down. They got rid of Park for him. It looks like for him, I'm assuming. Um, Kenny's Vargas. Is he going to get the shot every day as the DH slash first baseman? Um, if he does, is the power potential worth the risk? What are you thinking with Vargas? Yeah, he's just one guy that I really can't buy into. <laughs> you know, he's Poppy 2.0, supposedly, and he's just a huge guy. You'd think he'd have 40 homer power. He'd be just destroying the ball, but he uh, whiffs instead. <laughs> uh, he does walk a lot, at least, to offset that. Uh, that huge strikeout rate, but uh, you know, just a guy uh, for a for a DH, you know, that's pretty much the only place he's going to be. Uh, hopefully, they don't play him at first base too much. That's going to be primarily Joe Mauer. But um, you know, I granted it's sort of a late round dart throw. I just can't really get into him. And uh, one last guy I did not have on the list, but it just dawned on me for some reason. I left him off. Um. He was designated for assignment, and he's back in camp, and he had his second home run today. Byung-ho Park, does he have a chance to come back to the big boys? And what the heck happened there? He was injured. I think that had a lot to do with the bad numbers. The guy has just insane power. Um, Why did they cut him, and why is he not given a chance? What's going on? Yeah, that that really surprised me because I, out of the two between him and Vargas, I like – 
Bill Ho Park a lot. Yeah. Uh, like you said, he he ended up playing yeah. through a, a wrist injury. Yeah, so it's well through most of last year, uh, from what I understand. And the Twins historically have been a team where they kind of don't, you know, let that information out and just play through it. Uh, you'll be all right. And he ended up hitting under two hundred and you know get, hitting the DL and missing the rest of the season. Um, so yeah, I, I think now that he's healthy, you know, you're seeing him actually absolutely just crush balls, and that's what he does. Um, I actually have a I have a stat here uh, for the Statcast. Uh, they have this metric called uh, barrels, and that is uh, basically it combines the optimal exit velocity with your optimal launch angle uh, off the bat. So that's uh, between a 10 and 30 degree launch angle and anything hit over, I believe it's 98 miles an hour. It's a home run a lot of the time. Basically it's a 3000 slugging percentage uh, when you meet those qualifications and uh, per, on a per plate appearance basis, uh, Benho Park was seventh in all of baseball in StatCast Jeez. barrels per, uh, per plate appearance. Yeah. And the guys that he was behind, uh, you know, uh, Ortiz, Trumbo, Chris with a K Davis, Miggy, uh, Nelson Cruz, just huge sluggers. Uh, Gary Sanchez too was uh, that's that's the whole list as far as guys that were in front of him. So oh when he, yeah, I mean that's why when you watch him, you fall in love with him. Uh, I love the guy. Yeah, that power is just elite, and I, I think he did get a little bit of a raw deal. So I think that we're going to see him up at some point. I believe Vargas still has an option left. I'm not. Don't quote me on that, but I think he does. And if he does, then I think we'll we might just see a full swap there. Um, maybe they admit their mistake and and uh, send Vargas down and bring back Park. One of the biggest confusions for me. Okay, first off, then if Park makes the big club out of camp, is he worth a draft pick? Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, if you're in the position where you draft like a Mike Napoli. Um, Bill Park would belong right around there. A little bit of a worse lineup, though. So I, you know, I'd have like a Mike Napoli in front of him. But even he is going really, really late. So which is um, crazy. I love Napoli where he's going. It's the same. Yeah, he's him. a good deal too. Um, you know, yeah. and, that's, and that's what I'm saying. Both those guys, especially where they're going in drafts, I think are definitely worth a shot. Yeah, so I think a healthy Park, and I don't want to go on a long tangent tonight, but I think a healthy Park is a very good ball player, and I hope he gets his shot. Because what I wanted to say before I ask you that question is. I want to know when he got released or not released, let go on waivers or whatever they call the right term. Um, how no other team snagged him up is beyond me. Yeah, it's just, just, just been a weird year. Yeah. He signed a really, really friendly contract too. So it wasn't <laughs> like it was much, but I mean, you're seeing guys like Chris yeah. Carter on the free agent market. He couldn't, he almost had to go to Japan. So yeah. like the, the non position playing slugger is just not valued in today's game for some reason. Yep. But all right, one last twins talk. Season prediction. Over under in uh in the, the big flashy light world is seventy and a half. Are we going over or are we going under? <laughs> I'm gonna go over seventy and a half. I'll say like seventy two, seventy three. We'll say seventy three because I'm an optimist. But are you an optimist or a homer? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not a homer. I'm an I'm an anti twins homer. Like I'm a, I love my twins, and uh, I it, I pretty much uh, I seem to have an anti bias. Like <laughs> Brian Doge, like I said, I'm avoiding him. I can't yeah. like you know the Polanco is really the only guy that I I like a whole lot where he's going and maybe Kepler, but yeah, I, I think defensively they'll be better and. Um, offensively you know they're pretty good offensively last year so if they just are not embarrassingly bad with that rotation and the bullpen i think that they will be markedly better 
I like the Indians a lot this year, but the, the Tigers are sneaky. The Royals are always sneaky. Uh, who do you have one in the Central? Yeah, it's uh, to me, without question, it's got to be the Indians. Just a great rotation, solid lineup, especially if Michael Brantley comes back. It's, I mean, that lineup will just be absurd uh, with Michael Brantley in there, too. So I don't see any other team in the division even sniffing a wildcard spot. Agreed. Completely agree. All right, let's move on to a little fantasy third base talk. We're not going to go through all the rankings. We're just going to talk about a few key things that kind of tickle our fancy. Um, First, there's the big four at the top. You have Arenado, Bryant, Machado, and Donaldson. It seems like every other day when the wind changes direction, the top four change their order, at least the top two. Machado and Donaldson are kind of always there. But Bryant and Arenado, depending on who you're talking to, go in different orders. I know Nate's opinion on this because we agree, but it's because I listen to your podcast and I've heard it. But I want the rest of the world to hear it. Um, How do you – go about viewing the top four? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'll, I'll say that um, I, I will be plenty happy with any of them. But at the top, I got Nolan Arenado just because, I mean, how can you argue with 40-plus uh, homers and 130-plus RBI in two straight seasons? And just uh, I, I think there's even room for improvement on the batting average. Um, you know, his BABIP has never been above 300, I don't believe. in playing in cores, that seems ridiculous. Um, you know, so maybe that's because he hit so many home runs, I guess, but, uh, uh, just an elite lineup and, um, you, you can't go wrong with Arenado. He's been healthy too. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's really close between him and Chris Bryant. They're going sort of neck and neck in drafts, but, um, you know, Bryant on the, on the plus side, he'll get you more stolen bases. Although I don't necessarily know if he's going to get you a ton. Um, and then, uh, you know, solid batting average, solid, uh, really good runs. Uh, but the RBI, uh, I think, is going to be a lot lower than Arenado because Arenado hits, you know, third pretty much every day in that lineup. And Bryant usually hits second. I think it's going to be more of the same this year, and that actually limits his RBI a little bit. Um, so when you're talking about just a handful, maybe a half dozen to ten steals is all the more I would expect out of Chris Bryant this year, um, you know, versus 130 RBI, you know, he's it's going to be a pretty big difference, I think, between RBI, between Bryant and Arenado. So that's enough to get me to go Arenado. Definitely. And then um, w- what are you looking at with Machado and Donaldson? Those two are pretty close as well, but I've got Donaldson by hair. Uh, he actually – he does steal bases. Everybody remembers you know, Manny Machado's 2015 where he stole 20 bases. He made a concerted effort to do so, uh, but last year dropped off to zero, <laughs> and he didn't even attempt a stolen base. Uh, after I think May, um, so it was partially a team philosophy. I believe we we just saw the the Orioles just were not going to run at all last year. Um, so it's I don't think it's so much that Machado couldn't. I think that the team just wouldn't let him. Uh, but Donaldson, he's gonna he's gonna steal you a handful of you know a half dozen to ten bags, like I said with Chris Bryant, uh, and just a ton of power, elite lineup as well. Um, really no nits to pick there. So it's, it's Donaldson by a hair because of the steals. And do you have uh, in your overall rankings, do you have all four of them going on the top 10 or in the first round, I guess I should say. Uh, I don't have actual overall rankings, but I, I'm sure that I would, you know, those guys are just, okay. I, and I, I, I tend to not, well, I guess, uh, you know, I, I never really agreed with Scherzer going to 10 and I don't think he's going to go there in a lot of drafts now that he's, 
you know, still dealing with that knuckle injury. So, but yeah, I, I think pretty safely those four would be in my top 10. Yeah. And I lied. I did ask you, I forgot. I looked at the, I looked at the outline. I did ask for one set of rankings. I apologize, people. I apologize. I'll believe <laughs> I, will, I will, I will edit this later. Um, can I get your top 10 real quick? Top 10 third baseman. Uh, sure. Yeah. I've, uh, after Aaron Otto, Brian Donaldson, Machado, I've got Jonathan VR at five. Uh, he, he does qualify there. Uh, it should be in most leagues. I guess I don't remember how many games he played off the top of my head, uh, but I believe it's plenty. And I love VR this year. Uh, I will definitely be taking him in the second round. He was my guy last year. One of my, uh, one of my better calls. I don't necessarily think that the power will repeat uh, at a near 20% home run for fly ball rate on just a 24% fly ball rate. So I see the power coming down, but he did make a lot of far contact. He draws a lot of walks. He should, should score a ton of runs and that speed is elite. And uh, I don't think that the philosophy there is going to change, you know, in Milwaukee, as far as, you know, how many bases they, they just let him run wild on the bases last year. So I, I feel pretty good expecting another 50 to 60 home or uh, home runs. I, I wish uh, 50, to 60 steals from VR. I think you're looking at a floor of 35 with VR if he's healthy. Uh, yeah. And then number six, when I, when we were talking before, and I mentioned that just big chunky tier of third baseman, this is it. Uh, you get to number six and then it's Kyle Seeger. And then I have Adrian Beltre at seven, Longoria at eight, Matt Carpenter at nine, and then Michael Franco at 10. And I'm higher on Franco than pretty much everybody else that I've talked to. Cause I've got Frazier behind him at 11 and I might even adjust this. I don't know because I have Anthony Rendon all the way down at 14 and I like him a lot this year. Uh, if he can, especially if he can stay healthy. Uh, I think he's got a lot of home run, uh, positive home run aggression based on his hard hit rate last year and the number of fly balls that he hit. Uh, actually, it's pretty crazy when I looked into it that he only hit 20. So, But I think really anywhere between 6 and 10, like I'm good with all of those guys, pretty much whoever falls in drafts, you can really let that position come to you. Um, although I will say that it goes pretty quickly as well, so you definitely have to keep an eye on it. The very first mock draft that I did this year um, – you know, I, I, I had already done the third base previous. So I'm like, ah, this position's deep. I'll just wait and wait and wait. And then before I knew it, uh, the whole top 12 was gone. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got Justin Turner left. Uh, so, <laughs> so don't get caught with your pants down. Don't don't lull yourself into a false sense of security. Uh, oh, no, yeah, I, can't have a, I can't have a soulless ginger leading my third base for drink. No. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Justin Turner, actually. He was one oh, of my – yeah, he was one of my calls from last year, and I actually dropped him in the league because he was so terrible to start off the year, and then he was just amazing down the stretch. So I definitely regretted dropping him in that league. It was a 16-team league, too, so bad move on my part. I should have held the faith. But, uh, yeah, there, there, there is my top 10, and a, a lot of those guys towards the end are uh, pretty similar in production for me. No, that's uh, – like, like you said, there's the, the, there's the top tier, and then we mentioned – we could talk third base for a while, but I've noticed that with a lot of these positions, there's a lot of mixing and matching. If you look at different people's rankings, because there's a lot of really good players that are kind of similar, depending on what you're looking for. Are you looking for the power or the speed, the average? There's different things that each guy kind of stands out a little differently in. And there's a lot to like in these categories. Um, One guy I'd like to mention, um, a youngster for the Houston Astros, Alex Bregman, he's going to get to start this year at third base for the Astros, came up in the middle of the year last year. He's going 10th overall at third base, 82nd overall in drafts. Um, he's going behind the likes of Frazier and Beltre and, and everybody, but going in front of like your Longoria's, Turner's, 
Franco, who you're high on. Um, you didn't have Bregman in your top ten. A lot of people are very high on him. What are your what's your outlook on Bregman? I I like him long term, so don't get me wrong. But I've got him 18 this year. I guess whenever Jung Ho Gong gets suspended, he'll move he'll move down. Uh, but I've I've got him right by Jose Ramirez this year. I just don't necessarily think that um, in a full season Bregman is is going to be any better than uh, like an Anthony Rendon. You know, and I, I I think that Bregman is a little bit too hot for me right now. He's going a little bit too high. I think people are uh, looking at the the bright shiny bobble, as uh, Tim McLeod would like to say, and uh, you know, getting hyped up about him. But he's he's not a guy who really has you know he's sort of uh, all across the board uh, contributor, but uh, not a lot of elite power or speed. You know, he just attempted uh, 13 bases uh, last year, only stole nine of those. That's across all three levels you know, with the minor leagues and with the Astros. And another thing with him, I think he's going to hit, you know, down in the order a little bit, uh, maybe fifth or sixth, Uh, really, really good lineup there. So I think without, um, you know, unless there's an injury to uh, Correa or Springer or Altuve, you know, I I think he's looking to hit down in the order and that's going to limit his run scored. So that's sort of a tiebreaker that put him down, you know, behind some of these other guys. So I'm just I'm not totally enamored. I'll I'll let uh, I'll let somebody else take Bregman. I feel like he might have some, you know, the, some pitchers adjusting to him a little bit. We see that a lot, you know, the sophomore slump, and he'll have to adjust back. So I think I'm just going to go with some of the more established guys rather than uh, going in on Bregman this year. Yeah, if he was farther down, I'd be all for it. But um, he's similar to like you know Trey Turner's going way way earlier. But like you said, the sophomore slump. Um, people don't understand or not people a lot of people understand is you know when a lot of these guys first come up pitchers like to see if they can hit a fastball so a lot of these prospects are good enough to hit a fastball so they hit the fastball now they're going to get their second time through third time through now can you hit the slider can you hit the curveball now it's time to see what these kids are really made of so that's where the sophomore slump comes into play so he might start out very very slow and then it gets frustrating so that's when you swoop in on the waiver wire, folks, and get your Alex Bregman's and stuff of the world. Um, but yeah, so you could you're, you're thinking he he's more of like an Anthony Rendon type once he kind of levels out and figures it out. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know a little bit more power than speed. Um, thankfully, he doesn't have the injury track record of a Rendon, but you know he's he's a really really good hitter and uh, he's absolute gold. Bregman is uh, to me in in dynasty leagues. You know, long-term keeper leagues. I do love him long-term, but this year I'm not necessarily in on him at the price. Okay, I totally agree. I'm 100% in agreement with that. Uh, we'll do a little ADP wars or compare and contrast. Uh, Minnesota Twins, Miguel Sano, 15th third baseman off the board, um, uh, 130th overall. Mikhail Franco, 17th third baseman, 139th overall, about 10 draft picks apart. Mikhail Franco is your 10th third baseman. I... Love Mikel Franco. He was my top, one of my top third basemen last year in my rankings. Um, big on him again. He already hit his third jack this spring. The sky's the limit power-wise for him, in my opinion. He was banged up again last year. Just can't seem to stay healthy. Um, but I think he's really, really good. That Phillies team is young and getting better. Watch out for them in another year or so, I think. Um, not like they're going to take the world by storm, but they're going to be good. Um I think you're going to get a steal 10 picks apart. I'm assuming you're taking Frank over Snow, but 
how much of a difference between the two is what I'm asking. Yeah, I've got uh, Franco at 10 and uh, Sano at 16. Um, so it, it, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it sort of depends on your roster construction. Uh, you, I might even go back to back, uh, in a corner outfield league, uh, with Franco and then Sano. um, uh, you know, but I, I really want Franco for the, you know, the relative stability of a batting average. It's not going to kill you. And I, I think there's a very real possibility that he hits 30 home runs this year as well. Uh, and like you said, with, uh, with that lineup, uh, you know, 90, 95, hundred RBIs is not of. Um, you know, out of the discussion for, for Franco. I, I like him a lot. We just, uh, just this very day, he just absolutely destroyed a home run uh, and been in uh, spring training here. And I, th- I believe he was a spring training darling last year as well. So hopefully that doesn't uh, inflate his draft stock too much and I can keep buying him where he's going because I really like where he's going right now. Uh, but that said, if, if I did happen to, um, you know, if I happen to take uh, an Arenado or I had a Donaldson follow me or something like that earlier on, um, there's a chance that I might just wait and, and get Sano just sort of as a as a lottery ticket there because there is just uh, so much power upside. Yeah, no, it definitely inflated his value last year because I remember mock drafts early in spring could sleep on Franco and steal him. By the end of spring, it wasn't happening. It was very depressing, very, very depressing. Yeah, um, he needs to stop. Stop hitting home runs. <laughs> Yeah, go like go like pull an oblique like all these other guys do, and go sit in a hot tub for a while or something. Yeah, go hang out, like fake pull an oblique. They don't really do it, but just do what do what all the other veterans do. Go play golf. Um, go enjoy your spring training. Or, um, or you could go deep sea fishing. Like, uh, oh god, what are the what are the yeah. Mets pitchers? Lord, I forget which one. Even Mets. Mets. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Oh yes, my go god. catch a shark, you idiot. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes yes i need you to go pitch 180 innings this year go catch a shark please great um, idea we need uh, here's another uh compare and contrast adp wars the 13th and the 14th third bases off the board one's going 111th one's going 120th the ginger justin turner against the out of nowhere cleveland third baseman jose ramirez uh had a big big year last year you were talking about him earlier both had big years Turner got paid. Jose's looking to get paid some more. Um, two for us, please. Oh, yeah. Yeah, these are both my guys last year. Um, between the two, I am probably more apt to go Ramirez. Again, it depends on a little bit on what I need because they have different skill sets. If I need the power, I'm going Turner. Uh, more likely, though, I'm going to need the speed. I think that's one thing that Jose Ramirez is going to give you for sure is 20 steals and a really good batting average. It's such a tragedy that uh, he's not going to be hitting towards the top of that lineup. I need Jason Kipnis to get hurt or something like that. <laughs> but but uh, sadly, he's in the same position, Jose Ramirez is, that is. Um, as a, as an Alex Bregman, that he'll be you know probably hitting fifth or sixth in that in that lineup. Uh, so sadly, that limits his runs in RBI a little bit. Uh, so Justin Turner probably have the uh, the upper hand as far as the RBIs go, and and obviously the power. I think he's going to hit uh, you know probably fifteen to twenty more home runs than Jose Ramirez this year. Um, but he's also Man, he should probably start sitting against lefties. We'll see if they start platooning him. Uh, whereas Jose, Jose Ramirez is a sexy switch hitter that should never ever miss a plate appearance. So, uh, as a, especially as a compiler, like I, I really like Jose Ramirez. Yeah, no, he's um, and and the good thing about Jose is he's also plays outfield at times, so he's dual eligibility in your fantasy leagues. Um, 
Speaking of the depths we keep talking about, let's talk about some of your cranberry sauce, your late, late third baseman. Um, there's a ton of them. I'm just going to mention a few names if you have some others you like. But um, if for some reason the run takes place and then you just say, screw it, I'm going somewhere else and I'm just going to take the hit and I'm going to grab some guys late and just pray to God that this works, even if you're not religious, pray to whoever you want, to, Allah, whoever. Just pray. Um, Ryan Healy, Hernan Perez from the, the Brew Crew, who's multi-eligible all over the place, and he he's produced very well last year. And a guy that is going to give you potential 30 bombs, Jed Jerko, and he has eligibility all over the infield. Um, those are four names that stand out to me. Uh, you can tell me how you feel about them if you want or if there's another late third baseman that catches your eye. Uh, yeah, I, I like, uh, I like Healy quite a bit. Uh, Jake Lamb, another guy who's, uh, I think he's going a little bit earlier, but uh, a lot of power there might not be a great batting average again, terrible against lefties. Um, so again, you might see a platoon there at some point, but, uh, Hernan Perez, uh, don't necessarily love that. He doesn't have a position, uh, to play. So he's going to be more of a utility guy. So I don't know if he's going to get enough bat at bats really to be uh, an impact guy in standard mixed leagues. If you're in deeper mixed leagues and fine, you know, like 15, 20 teams, whatever um, you, you need stolen bases where you can get it. But I just don't know if the playing time is going to be there right off the bat. And Jerko is another guy. He really improved against righties. Um, Last year, finally, he was not atrocious against right-handed pitching. So hopefully he's not a guy who's going to be a platoon and uh, obviously just a ton of power. We saw, like you said, 30 home runs last year. Um, you know, So I, I do like him down in the dregs. As far as, uh, let's see, somebody else. Uh, Nick Castellanos is uh, a guy who should be uh, you know, pretty good. We saw the power start to come into his own last year. Uh, and he's going really, really late. He's, uh, he's just an afterthought. 25% career line drive rate. Uh, so he's, you know, one of the guys that just he sprays the ball all over the field. And uh, hopefully we see, you know, a little bit more of that power outbreak that he started to show last year. Uh, but maybe the the best call that uh, my co-host Joe had um, when we were talking about third base, Mike Moustakis, if he's healthy, um, he is also not, you know, he, he should not be a platoon bat at this point anymore. The last two years, he really stepped up his game against lefties and, um Started spraying the ball to all fields too, so he didn't get shifted all the time. And he showed a lot of power last year. So I think that if if he's healthy, um, you could see him really, really return a, a nice profit. He could be one of those uh, you know twenty five home run guys with uh, with a two eighty average and a lot of RBI, assuming assuming health. And the the health is one thing that's I, I think going to keep his draft stock pretty low uh, throughout the draft season. Hopefully he doesn't you know pull a Franco and start just launching bombs all over the place. Uh, but where he's going right now, just super, super cheap. And I think he could uh, uh, return a huge uh, from your draft day price. Yeah, he could be a sneaky good one because the potential's always been there, but he's always hurt, like you said. Um, and he's also contract year. Those are always something to keep in mind. Big, yes, big things and, could happen. Yeah, yeah and I, I think that – um, yeah, exactly. That's what, exactly what I was getting at. Yeah, the Royals seem to be sort of dismantling that team, and I imagine they'll just see what they can get from Moustakis. They're going to hope for a big first half from him, and there is almost nowhere that you could go that would be worse than hitting a Kaufman. So, um, you know, <laughs> that'll be hopefully a ballpark improvement as well if he moves. I saw three names that just caught my eye, and you could do something as simple as yes or no if you don't want to go too deep on them, and we can call it a day at third base after this. But super late, we're talking 30th, third basemans or later. 
Alvarez of the Reds. Any 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 deep deep league desires there? Yeah, I like I like Suarez. Um, he is not great against right-handed pitching. Sadly, he just pretty much crushes lefties. Uh, but you know, he was one of only three third basemen last year to hit twenty home runs and steal ten bases. So, I mean, that is saying something as far as what you know what he's capable of uh the downside is the batting average is not great and the lineup is not great either um and also you got to watch out for nick senzel if he's setting the world on fire in the minor leagues he could supplant suarez at the hot corner there but uh, yeah like you said if you're in a really deep league i do like him um the panda 34th third baseman off the board are you willing to take the dive on the weight loss binge that is pablo sandoval no, maybe I should be just because that lineup is so, so good. So he yep. could hit 270 and still drive in 90, you know? So if you're making an argument for him, then there's that. But I, man, even with such a low, low price, like he just is hurt all the time and he never really had much power either. So you're going to need to get a pretty good batting average from him and, and hope to, to get uh, enough RBI to make him worthwhile. And this last one that keeps staring me in the face because he had a really good year last year. Maybe it's because DFS-wise he was big for me. But even in you know season long, he wasn't bad. He got paid this offseason. He's also second base eligible. Young Hervis Solarte of the Padres, he's not going to light the world on fire, but his power numbers keep developing. He's still young. It's not the best ballpark, but the Petco is becoming more hitter-friendly recently. Um, are you seeing anything where he's the 36th third baseman, 324th pick overall, anything to like with Solarte? Uh, he's, he's okay. I guess he's, he's just a guy to me. Um, you know, he's again, in really, in really deep league, if he plays every day, there's value to that, but, uh, I don't necessarily see anything that stands out to me for him. That's what I was wondering. Just super deep stuff. I was just uh, spitballing on late, late pick options there. But uh, anything else you have at the the hot corner? Uh that no, that pretty much uh, covers the guys that I'm that I'm actually in on. So, cool. I mean, Jung Ho Gong, I guess, is, as far as some guy that we could touch on, I. You know, who knows how long he's going to be suspended at this point. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, depending on what it is, he's going to be really cheap. And he's a guy that you could potentially stash for whenever he comes back. I don't know if he's going to miss a month or two or more. But uh, whenever he's on the field, man, he can hit a ton of bombs. So uh, he would be probably my favorite stash at the position this year. Yeah, I had David Kerr on a couple podcasts ago talking Pirates. And um we're just waiting to find out what the results are with uh, his – because Korea still hasn't even ruled on what's going to happen. In the U.S., he'd be in jail. But uh, I think, they, I think they actually just gave him a slap on the wrist, to be honest. Okay, because when we talked, he was supposed to be getting sentenced so that I haven't seen anything. So if that's all it is, then there's that. But MLB will likely do at least 30-day suspension, if not more. That's standard. Right. Um, go, go from there. But, yeah, if it's only 30, like a month or two months, definitely worth a stash because you're getting them late. If you can afford that roster spot, like you said, he's going to – because if you look at his numbers, he hasn't played more than two-thirds of a season most years, and he's still putting up 20 to 30 bombs. The guy's got the power. So yeah. definitely worth a look. Awesome. Um, anything else you'd like to mention before we wrap this bad boy up? 
one one more plug that uh, I, I should sneak in. I did this fantasy baseball summit dealy majigger, and uh, that's happening starting twenty eighth through March second, I believe. Um, so you can go to fantasybaseballsummit.com and I did some analysis with it. it's basically a video podcast. It's a whole bunch of them. Uh, it's some good stuff. You should check it out. It's, I did uh, third base actually there too uh, with. Uh, Oh God, Pierre Camus, who we dubbed the fantasy Frenchman. He's from Roto Baller. Uh, so we had, we had a lot of fun and there's, there's a bunch of other folks that uh, contributed to that as well. Uh, a bunch of guys from fan, fan graphs and baseball perspectives and stuff. So um, really good stuff. And it's totally free uh, for those three days. And if you want to check it out, you can, like I said, go to fantasybaseballsummit.com or uh, just check out uh, my Twitter. I believe I tweeted out the link. I'm, I'm just at Nathan Dawkins on Twitter, so you can check it out there too. Yeah, check that out. That'll be a lot of good information. There's a lot of good people on that. Check out his podcast, The Nasty Cast, or just Nasty Cast. Um, it's on iTunes and probably multiple other places, right, Nathan? Yep. Uh, anywhere you can listen to a podcast, uh, you should be able to find it. And we're on uh, Blog Talk Radio, too, is who hosts us. So if you just uh, choose to listen from the interwebs, then you can go there. Cool. And you can check out his uh, articles on Fantastics, fantastics.com. Like you said, check him out on Twitter, at Nathan Dokken, D-O-K-K-E-N. Nathan, thanks for joining me, man. That was a lot of fun. Good stuff, as always. That was awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, anytime. Yeah, we will definitely do it again. Uh, Definitely do it again. And everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, This was your Twins Talk, Fancy Baseball Talk, Fancy Third Baseman, Bench with Bubba, Episode 13. Thanks for listening. We will catch you guys next time.